0: Outside of Mario Cristobal's illustrious coaching performance against the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, I just watched one of the most toxic games of college football's Week 6, staying up past 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Right now it's 2.55 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at the time of this recording to watch USC, an epic defensive powerhouse, that comment totally does not have any sarcasm to it, wink, fight against an Arizona team who they were favored to beat by 21 points, according to Vegas, and Jed Fish and Lincoln Riley at times felt like they were trying to outdumb each other, and they fought, to give Arizona credit, they fought way above their weight class, for a full four quarters and three overtimes before the fighting Lincoln-Rileys finally pulled away. A quick public service announcement that I might make a video on this week. If you have USC inside of your top 10, or even remotely close to a top 10 team in college football, I don't know what I can do to save you from the immeasurable disappointment that you, whether you think Lincoln Riley commands a good team, or you're a USC fan, I can't save you from the immeasurable disappointment that you will face either this coming weekend against Notre Dame, or the inevitable point where Washington, Oregon, Utah, or someone with a pulse, someone who is better than Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Nevada, San Jose State, Stanford, etc., beats USC, and likely crushes them by exposing Alex Grinch's defense and also the multiple faults within USC's offense, particularly at the line of scrimmage. I'm tired, but I just wanted to put that out there because Miami's performance wasn't the only near disaster or totally disastrous performance of the week. But here we are because it was beyond the worst. Number one, number one, I mainly cover the Big Ten, but I like to look at every game that is a Power Five versus Power Five matchup, and also some underrated matchups, maybe between some good group of five schools or some non-ranked Power Five schools as well. I would love those. Wisconsin-Rutgers was the game I was looking at this weekend. Wisconsin won 24-13. I predicted Rutgers to pull the upset, and I was wrong. But I thought that Rutgers, who for a long time had been one of the laughing stocks of the Big Ten, I thought that they were good. And for now, they look better than they have ever under Greg Schiano in his second tenure here with the Scarlet Knights. But Wisconsin was just too good of a team, and they won 24-13. They won by 11 points. I thought Miami was guaranteed to beat Georgia Tech, and I imagine a lot of people, Miami fans, college football analysts, general college football fans, and even the Miami locker room and coaching staff thought so too. Miami ranked number 17th in the polls, and I myself having them even higher than that, were favored by 19 points at home. After the first quarter, the score was 0-0. Zero to zero. The game did not even catch my eye until it was middle to the end of the second quarter, and I see the score is 0-0, zero to zero, and... My dad and I are watching college football together and I look at him and I am like what is what's going on like this should not be happening Georgia Tech was the same team who last week lost to Bowling Green a Mac school Bowling Green is now what like 2 and 4 they're fourth in the Mac they they got shut out by Miami of Ohio for crying out loud they got shut out by Miami of Ohio who lost to Miami Florida it just goes to show that the transitive property sometimes is totally meaningless bowling green beat georgia tech 38 to 27 and then the yellow jackets what they do to Miami is they just hung around for long enough to gain belief, and to take advantage of several just atrocious calls and decisions made by Miami staff, made by Shannon Dawson, the offensive coordinator, like calling a screen pass on fourth and four. What are you doing? What are you doing? And then uh, we'll get to the end of the game stuff later, because that is just asinine. Tyler Van Dyke, the guy who, oh, I don't know, tore up a and defense, which was thought to be elite in the preseason and early in the season before he threw for almost 400 yards and five touchdowns. One touchdown, three interceptions, a sub-50 quarterback efficiency rating, a sub-130 passer rating. What is going on? What's going on? This is it, this is ridiculous. This, in my mind, is evidence that recruiting classes are totally useless unless you can put those elite blue-chip players in proper positions to win and to execute. Because Miami, for two years in a row, has had the 12th most talented roster, according to 24-7 Sports Team Talent Composite. And there will be some people who look at this game and last season and say, well, if Miami just did a top five talent roster, they would win more games and they would never be in games like this against Georgia Tech, Duke, and Middle Tennessee State. I, I can't stand that. I can't. I can't stand the concept that if you get the number one recruiting class every year, coaching doesn't matter. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. This game is an embodiment of that. If this coaching continues, it won't matter if Mario Cristobal recruits like Nick Saban. They will never win a national title. They will never reach the college football playoff. The 12 team playoff, maybe, but they won't win anything. If you can't do the little things, it's very hard to do the big things. And in fact, Mario Cristobal's even defied that rule. He won the Pac 12 championship in a Rose Bowl in 2019, despite losing to an Auburn team and an Arizona State team who were wildly inferior to his Oregon Ducks. In 2021, he got blown out by Utah twice, and he gave David Shaw's Stanford their only conference win. And yet, outside of Michigan that season, he was the only team to beat the 2021 Ohio State Buckeyes, who dominated everyone else on their schedule. Everyone else, even 2021 Nebraska and Penn State, who played everyone within one score, lost to the Buckeyes by two. They were a dominant team on offense. And Mario Cristobal, along with Jim Harbaugh that season, were the only head coaches to figure that Ohio State team out and beat them. Big wins. And yet also very humiliating losses to small teams, both at Oregon and now here at Miami. It's a consistent track record. Middle Tennessee State, cool. You make their quarterback, whose name I don't even know, look like Tom Brady, if Tom Brady had Tyree Kill at wide receiver. Nice. Turn it over eight times, I think, against Duke last season. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke immediately looks worse in 2022 compared to 2021. And as I've already mentioned a few seconds or a few minutes ago, He looked more like his 2022 self than he has so far this season. Again, three picks, one touchdown, a sub-50 quarterback efficiency rating. He's a good player. And Miami has more than 40 blue-chip players on their roster, and yet they lost to a Georgia Tech team who has a first-year head coach, a new staff, who's had to deal with outgoing and incoming transfers. It's it's similar challenges, except worse because of the talent disparity compared to what Cristobal faced last year. And yet Brent Key put down his headset, got his team motivated after losing to an atrocious Bowling Green team, and went into Miami Stadium, into Hard Rock Stadium, and they won. They won, despite the fact that Miami both on paper and even statistically at the end of the game dominated this was an epic choke job of of perhaps unfathomable proportions i mean it it was that bad i mean how is this loss any different from last year's atrocious losses to middle tennessee state and to duke how is it any different multiple inexcusable turnovers different points, like freeze points, as Josh Pate would put it, where there could be a different outcome if things were done differently. And those things were not done differently. Rather, these same mistakes are being repeated. This is on coaching. Look, Miami, again, has great players. They have talent. They have an All-American at safety in Cameron Kitchens, They have Francisco Maguire. They have Tyler Van Dyke at quarterback. They have A.J. Allen at running back, who transferred in from Nebraska. And from watching him at Nebraska and watching bits of him at Miami, he's a good running back. He's talented. And Miami's offensive line has taken big strides compared to last season. The offense and defense period at least initially looked to take big strides compared to last season. But now all of that is put into doubt. I had this team ranked in the top 15, thought that they could contend for an ACC championship game appearance, and their schedule looked doable. Well, now that this disgusting performance of a game is over, all of that's thrown out the window. All of that is up for questioning. Because Georgia Tech is just a 3-3 three and three football team who lost to Bowling Green, lost to Louisville, And look, they only beat Wake Forest by 14, and they got blown out by Ole Miss. They didn't lose to Georgia yet. Look, let's face it, they're going to get destroyed by Georgia. And they still have to play Clemson, and they have to play North Carolina, and a few other teams. They may not even go bowling. This was a home loss, a loss in which the stadium wasn't full. Fans weren't engaged. The team didn't look engaged at any point. I'm not going to lie. This might be an exaggeration when I'm saying this because I'm tired and I'm also more so ranting while also giving an analysis. Miami felt dead, not just as a team, but as a, a collective program. It felt dead watching them. It was boring. It wasn't entertaining. Watching Louisville. Beat Notre Dame by double digits at a point when Notre Dame had no chance of coming back was more entertaining than watching that close game between Georgia Tech and Miami. It was it was, exhausting to the eyes, to say the least. The Hurricanes had an extra 203 yards against Georgia Tech and 10 more minutes of possession. All that much more opportunities to win a football game that... Anyone in the top 25 would have won. Anyone. Anyone. Michigan, Georgia would have blown out Georgia Tech by 40 points. Did you see what Georgia did to Kentucky or Michigan did to Minnesota? Let's up that number to 50. Or perhaps if Georgia played the way they did against Kentucky or if Michigan kept in their starters for all four quarters, let's up it to 60 points. Texas and Oklahoma... You bet yourself they would have beaten Georgia Tech into the turf. Same with Ohio State. Same with Penn State. Same with, uh, oh, I don't know, probably North Carolina too because their defense looks better. And Drake May is still an elite quarterback who's consistently proven that. And his offensive line and his run game are better. And his wide receiver core is, you know, with Tez Walker getting eligibility and also with him, you know, finding guys in the receiver core who are stepping up big time, he has playmakers. And this looks like Mac Brown's best team, don't want to commit myself to that statement, so far of his second tenure at North Carolina. It's incredible what North Carolina is doing right now. Florida State, they would beat Georgia Tech. They might struggle for a quarter or two quarters, or maybe let Georgia Tech hang around for three quarters, but we've seen them do that against Boston College and Virginia Tech and to a lesser degree, against Southern Miss and LSU, and they pull away. They've shown to be clutch. They don't have the same blue chip ratio that Miami does, but they definitely have a lot more maturity and development on their roster. And their coaches, Florida State's, put the seminal players in a position to win. Mario Cristobal and his staff, they aren't doing that right now. They're not getting it done Especially against these smaller teams. I don't get it. I don't understand. It is unfathomable. You can go out and you can crush Texas AM and then play awful football, lose it home to Georgia Tech. That's a Larry, that's like later tenure Larry Coker moment. That actually happened. Larry Coker's, I think it was his 2005 or 2004 team. I think it was the 2005 team. They were, They only had one loss. They beat an undefeated Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. They dominated them pretty thoroughly. They returned home, and Georgia Tech beat them on their own home field when Miami was a massive favorite and I think ranked third in the country. Again, just completely inexcusable with the amount of talent they had, but Larry Coker turned out to not be a good head coach. He had a good coordinator in Randy Shannon, but that was about it. He wasn't a good head coach, wasn't disciplining the team or keeping them in line, and that was—I'm mainly talking about on the field, because the the off-the-field stuff, I know of Miami's reputation, but a lot of that's just reputation. Like, Miami right now is a pretty good university, from what I know. I'm just talking about on the field. Like, the team wasn't performing in a disciplined, cohesive manner on the field, When Larry Coker was there in the later part of his tenure at Miami, that's why he was let go, and that's why the the team fell apart, and probably a certain part of the reason why Randy Shannon couldn't build it back up or give it any consistency. But Miami started out slow. They gave the Yellow Jackets confidence in their ability to win and to compete. And through making several turnovers— Through not finishing on drives, through bad play calling, and just I cannot explain how abhorrent that final call on Miami's final offensive series was. I cannot explain how abhorrent that is. You have a guaranteed win. You take two knees, game's over, no matter what. Game's over. A hundred percent chance of winning, and the clock hasn't even hit zero yet. You know how you achieve that? You take a knee. Want me to spell it out for you? You take a knee. T-A-K-E space A space K-N-E-E. There. Take a knee. Under no circumstances, none, should that have been anything but a a knee down on that final drive for Miami. None. And Mario Cristobal, as I've said before, at least acknowledged that in the post-game press conferences. Some coaches are just completely boneheaded, and they'll justify their own position and their mistakes, like what Jimbo Fisher did today. He implied that if a was just a few inches closer to the marker, they would have went for it on fourth and short. Well, um college football is a game of inches metaphorically speaking not literally speaking. Miami's remaining schedule now looks so much harder than before this loss before this game was even played and I admire Miami's program. I like the swagger, I like the history, I like the I like how dominant they were like players like Ed Reed and Ken Dorsey and Willis McGahee and Clinton Portis and There are several other players whose names I'm, you know, blanking on right now because it's very late at night, actually very early in the morning, if you want to count that for Sunday. But they had elite NFL players that just, they knew they were elite, but they didn't let it get to their head too much. They focused, they zoned in, they took everyone, they they took everyone seriously and they killed, they killed teams. They killed Washington in 2001. They killed a ranked Syracuse in 2001. They destroyed Nebraska in the national championship game. They were the team to beat. Teams didn't want to play Miami, Florida. They didn't. Now, you're telling me that anyone can line up against Miami, Florida and have a chance to win. Anyone. Middle Tennessee State. Georgia Tech. Duke. Why not throw in Wake Forest? Or lowly Syracuse, who just got, you know, punched in the mouth and their jaw ripped off by Drake May. Or why don't we add in, oh, I don't know, Miami of Ohio, round two. Maybe the Red Hawks win this time. Who knows? This can't continue. Something has to change. Either Cristobal has to adapt, or someone on the staff is the cause for a lot of these issues, and that needs to be called into question that staff member or side of the football, but Josh Gaddis, he was already fired by Miami, and now he's at Maryland, so I don't think firing specific coordinators or assistants is the solution. I think this comes from the CEO, being Mario Cristobal. This was a defeat snatched from the jaws of victory. As a Big Ten channel, I typically call this a Scott Frost moment because he was just a professional at that. This loss was everything that a Scott Frost moment embodies. Being statistically more impressive. According to probability, having a good chance to win. We would have won this if this, 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 like playing the what-if game, etc. Have high talent, flashy recruiting, you have good players like Wandale Robinson, Adrian Martinez, like good players with talent, with smarts. Guys who can develop themselves and improve even in the worst of situations and you can't do anything. You can't. It's you're just holding your team and your roster back. Now, then again, this is only year 2 and Mario Cristobal has all the resources to succeed. He is still establishing his system, so I'm not gonna be totally hard. I'm not gonna say he should be fired, because look, I don't I don't know at this point. I I think that would be too early of a call, but this is unacceptable. It's totally embarrassing, unacceptable. Any word you could use. 453 total yards to Georgia Tech's 250. 23 first downs to Georgia Tech's 13. 35 minutes of possession compared to Georgia Tech's 25. Eight of 16 on third down. Eight yards per pass attempt. 3.5 yards per rush attempt. That's not great. It's not even good, but that's doable. Uh, Six penalties for 80 yards compared to Georgia Tech's 11 penalties for 67 yards. You know what killed? The five turnovers and the failed fourth down conversion and the picks. But we already covered that. I just especially want to mention that because some of those picks were downright, what are you doing? As I've already said that phrase several times throughout this video. That's really all I wanted to say here, if I'm being honest. But before we conclude this rare reaction plus analysis plus rant episode, I guess is what I'm going to call it, funny enough, I want to get your thoughts especially if you're a Miami fan. Um, again, I want the U to be back. It's good for Miami to be back and be relevant, and I think the fan base deserves that. What do you think? Like, give me everything that you know and everything that you think in the comments section, and let's have a conversation about it. Let's talk about it. Because this loss or... Even playing Georgia Tech competitively is unacceptable, but a win in many cases is a win. You know, different wins mean different things. A three-point win over Georgia Tech means major concerns for Miami, but at least you escaped. And you have that unblemished record, and maybe we look back on that, and it's a fluke. And you escaped, and you were able to keep the momentum going, but that's not what happened here. This turned into a full-out loss, and that's a permanent blemish on the record. I can only imagine what's happening in the locker room. The team, the coaching staff, the fan base, I imagine are all extremely demoralized, heartbroken, perhaps mentally broken. This team could fall apart very quickly due to a loss like this. So if you're a Miami fan, but a college football fan, regardless, tell me your thoughts, analysis, reaction to this game down in the comment section below. And I will try my best to reply to you and have a conversation because that's what makes college football good. That's what makes this community on YouTube and everything about college football, period, amen, so awesome, is regardless of fan base, regardless of interest, etc., we can come together at the end of a week and talk and express our thoughts and different lenses of opinions Before I end this video, thank you to my Patreon supporters, Spencer Bringhurst, my all-American patron, and Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, Matthew Sale, my all-conference patrons. Check out my Patreon via the link in the description down below, and like this video, subscribe to the channel, comment your thoughts down below, as I've already mentioned. I really want to get your opinions, they're very valuable to me, and I'll see you guys around. Thank you for watching, and I hope you have a great day. And if you're a Miami fan, I just want to give a special message to you all. There are times where teams suffer these weird random losses, and they bounce back. So the season, it's definitely frustrating right now, but it might not be over. I don't want to give too much false hope, but there is a chance that it's not over, And at some point, Miami is going to find success, I think, with their donor base and just with all the resources that they have and the dedication and the history they have. They will find success at some point. So thank you for watching this video, and I hope you all have a great day. Bye-bye.